Cool. So yeah, welcome to um, the latest episode of the Be Better podcast, vlogcast, I don't know, video podcast, who knows. Um, and with me today, I have got Brad Hook from the Resilience Institute. So yeah, kia ora, Brad. What's going on? Kia ora, Tim. How are you? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah. Good, life's, good life's to good. hear. It's Friday. It's almost the weekend. It's a good day to, to record a podcast, I reckon. It's I think Friday. it's a great day. Yeah. So thanks for having me. It's no worries, uh, been a pleasure connecting and getting to know a little bit more about the work that you do and how aligned both of well, what we do is. Likewise. Yeah. Mm. And um, well, mate, we were just talking before um, we went live. Um, so, Brad, you, you reached out to me. You, you completely stole my thunder. Um, because I, I had this idea of being cheeky and sending um, emails to uh, uh, already existing B Corps to say, hey, did you know that you could get four points on your assessment if you use Grow Good for some really cool purpose trading or sales trading, what have you? And you sent me that email and I'm like, damn it, <laughs> someone's leading me to it. But then I was like, hey, actually, beyond just what you do being really cool, um, I think we should have a chat. And so, yeah, here we are. Here we but, are. Um, yeah, to, I mean, so yeah, who are you? What what does uh, the Resilience Institute do? And yeah, yeah. What are so you, what are you doing for them? Resilience Institute was established in two thousand and two in New Zealand by a medical doctor, Dr. Sven Hansen. He was working with executives, and he noticed some interesting patterns in terms of people struggling with their life, experiencing all kinds of adversity. Instead of prescribing medication, he started prescribing preventative medicine and positive psychology and movement and sleep and found that this had an amazing impact. So he created a framework, which he named Resilience, and it's really a holistic way of looking at how you deal with your life and developing a toolkit that supports you through life, which is going to change and present all kinds of opportunities and challenges. And the Resilience Institute grew organically from New Zealand to a few different locations around the world. I came around in uh, about nine years ago, and I saw the potential for digital transformation to really equip employees of companies with more than just a workshop, because we all know you can attend a workshop, everyone claps, and then they go back <laughs> to the desk and do the same thing. So how do we make that journey of resilience sustainable? And that's something I've been interested in for a long, long time. So yeah, it's been a pleasure working with Resilience Institute and seeing it evolve from being quite a small organization to one that now has a global footprint with a robust uh, digital toolkit, a huge network of facilitators and doing great work, really impactful work. And that's what I, I think that's what makes it meaningful for, for all of us who are involved. 100%. Yeah. A lot of a lot of crazy ideas you've been talking about here, like preventative medicine and, you know, getting prepared yes. and, and, you know, to take on the world and everything that it will throw at you. And uh, yeah, exactly. So yeah, yeah, so much for us to dig into today. So, so Resilience Institute, born in New Zealand? Yeah. Okay. Because yeah, hmm. I, I just with the, because it's a Swiss, uh, the guy Swiss originally. Um, um, he, he actually grew up in South Africa. Right. Uh, as did I. We don't have that connection. We didn't. Yeah. <laughs> we never met there. But uh, he moved to New Zealand many, many years ago, right. and uh, as a doctor, working in hospitals, including down in Christchurch. And then he realized that he could have more of a positive impact in the world by equipping people with these resilient mm. skills. It was really quite a revolutionary idea when he started doing it back mm. in two thousand and two and and before. Yeah, and potentially. I mean. It's interesting like i kind of feel for many individuals the idea of preventative stuff like it makes sense yes but the health system 
is still not set up to be preventative. I feel like more and more people get the idea that it's dumb to wait for the ambulance at the bottom of the cliff, but totally. it's hard to access help and assistance from a, broadly speaking, the mainstream medical system because it's just geared up to deal with what's thrown at it. Yeah. Um, and that's yeah. tough. And I guess even like insurance providers, you know, we were just talking before, um, you've been to the osteopath this week, I've been to for a massage. Well, in fact, um, we do get massage through our health insurance. Um, but you kind of go, what, what would the world look like if everyone was given one, even if it was like one 20 minute free massage a month? Oh. Uh, like what would that do just to stress levels <laughs> and yes. injury and, and the rest of it? And no phone allowed through the little hole in the <laughs> massage table. <laughs> yeah disconnect from the noise for a few minutes yeah i'm very intentional about phone off even my watch off like no bleeping it stays in the car i'm in Mm. here um yeah disconnected no i think it'd make a huge difference and and that's where a program like ours is useful because it is evidence-based so it's not like introducing woo-woo fluffy ideas but it's also really practical and it has to be you don't want to go into an organization and say hey guys here's a whole lot of theory and it's really hard (laughs) to put into practice it's got to be if you do this one thing you're going to get this benefit if you do if you improve your sleep uh, you're going to be able to focus better and kind of connecting the dots because we all know Mm. lots of stuff but there is so much information out there so having a simple framework i think that's that's the objective of what we do 100 percent so young brad growing up in south africa um was resilience like have you have you are you a resilient person has resilience been a big thing for you like yeah like what what was young brad keen to do when he was older um does does young brad still not know maybe who knows loads of questions but yeah let's start with like young brad in south africa what what was the future looking like for, for a young brad Oh, thanks for asking. It was an interesting upbringing. I wouldn't say it was easy. Uh, there was a real contrast between the life I had when I spent weekends with my dad and and home with my mum, like really different uh, in lots of different ways. It was, uh, you know, by by all standards, it was a it was not a super difficult life. But going to all boys schools and being caned, it was still. It, it was probably about 20 years behind where New Zealand was at the same time. So there was a lot of corporal punishment. You learn to navigate all of this, this adversity, come up with clever schemes and tricks to get mm-hmm. out of, <laughs> get away with things. Um, it was an interesting upbringing. I discovered surfing when I was uh, around about uh, just before I turned 10. And that was uh, quite a catalyst for me because it gave me these moments of just mindfulness, getting out into the waves, mm. flow state, without really being able to articulate what it was all about, except that it was a lot of fun. And that kind of became my, it's both an escape, but it's also your passion. And 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 I think that really set me up for success. Ha- mastering something like surfing in this variable environment, you learn a lot of lessons that you take forth into your life. But then got up into got into all kinds of mischief and uh, ended up um, in trouble for various things, car accidents and motorcycle accidents. And then I decided, you know what, I'm going to move to the UK. So I packed up my little suitcase and landed in, in the UK. And yeah, that was a very different trajectory from there then on. Yeah, I can imagine. Mm. <clears throat> I think it's, um, yeah, I mean, I wasn't, I didn't get too much trouble. But yeah, I just, you know, fairly there was definitely the the cricket boot or the cricket slew mm. you know shoe as like the punishment not necessarily the cane at school but um yeah never got it myself i was obviously too good um <laughs> goody goody. um 
but yeah, I think you know, young boys, it's it's um, it's, it's in our genetics to push boundaries and yeah, explore. test stuff and explore. And um, yeah. I think it's interesting, you know, when you, when you look at the well, there's two parts to this, I guess. You know, this this massive rise in juvenile crime, but actually, when you look at some of the stats, it's it's like a tiny little blip at the end of a very long down. But anyway, statistics, politicians, I'm blah, with blah, blah. you, yeah. Um, but even if there was a, a massive uptick, I, I do wonder how much of it is a reaction to, you know, lockdowns, not being able to just be out and about and, and exploring and do it. And, you know, clearly it's like a, but yeah, you, it's, it's, it's kind of, a, it's an outlet, you know, it's like yeah. the idea of nicking a car and stealing some jewelry. Like there's a lot of excitement and adrenaline and adventure locked into that. And maybe we get away with it. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you're with your <laughs> friends and you're on a mission and you listen to some gangster rap that <laughs> glorifies this kind yeah. of thing. And yeah. you know, you're, you're in the zone. I've met a lot of young guys. We, we, I was contributed to a surf therapy program here in the Bay of Plenty. And so many of them didn't even realize that they were really doing something wrong. You know, mm -hmm. they, they were young boys they got influenced by their peers. And for some of them, they thought, well, if I go to jail, it's okay. My whanau are in there anyway. So it's cool. Mm. I'll just go and hang out with, you know, some people I haven't seen for a while. Mm. And so they don't really realize the implications of going into a shop and, and robbing mm. the shop. But afterwards, as from a neuroscience perspective, the, the prefrontal cortex isn't fully developed until 25. Yeah. Yeah. So of course we're haphazard. That's where impulse control comes from. Yeah. So yeah. I, mine was very undeveloped. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's the same with most boys. Was it the, the other stat I've read is that um, guys don't reach emotional maturity until around they're forty-two. So yes, it, it's amazing. Uh, you are you you just made it. You're like 40, 44. <laughs> I, I yeah, think I'm, I'm yeah, there. Same. Yeah, I think I'm there too. I'm almost forty-five. I must be well over. Yeah, I'm um, almost forty-five. But yeah, it's 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 kind of amazing that guys even last in their forties to reach you know, with all the stupid stuff that we do. Yeah. Um, and it's amazing that um any you know any other um you know any women would choose to hang out with us for until we're forty-two and, and eventually we we might get there. So yeah, and, I don't and know then we have. Then we have a midlife crisis. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, just in, just in time. I've made it, but there's going to be some changes happening. Yeah. Uh, well, so true. So, so you end up in the UK. Whereabouts in the UK? Did ah, you, um... Yeah. So I ended up in London, and that's where I first discovered you know, working in big corporates and how quickly you can advance if you really apply yourself. Uh, it was incredible. You, one moment I was working as a in a telecom company and I had a pretty low level manual kind of data entry job, but I learned Excel. So I just bought a book, how to program VBA, visual basic for applications and automated my job. And I showed the manager, I was like, well, look what I did. He's like, I think we're going to have to have a chat. <laughs> like, <laughs> let's like that's incredible, but it wasn't really, all I did was try and problem solve and 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 optimize and so it was interesting yeah i went on this journey in there and ended up working for lloyds of london and wow. um unilever and and lots of different organizations over there before i decided hold on a second i think i can do this kind of stuff for myself maybe i'll just be a, a freelancer and mm. and create kind of digital solutions for other organizations yeah so nice. i was there for about four and a half years nice mm. and um enjoyed so yeah you sort of took your learnings from the big company experience but did you did you sort of feel that you fit it that you were fitting in to that 
becoming no. yeah. you know, I still <laughs> had this. <laughs> I still had this yearning for well-being, and I really missed surfing. Of course, I would go down to Cornwall, crunch through the ice every now and yep. then to nice. go for a surf. Uh, and I, I yearned for more creativity, for sure, more connection with others, because I was going down a road towards being quite a tech kind of mm. digital specialist, which was new back then. You know, HTML was pretty yep. new <laughs> at the time that I was in the UK, shows my age. Uh, <laughs> and, and yeah, it's, you know, I liked what I learned in these corporations and it really mm. set me up for the future. But at the same time, I realized that I'm, I'm suited to working, collaborating with CEOs, collaborating with founders, mm. helping people realize their vision. That's where I can be kind of a bit of a Swiss army knife with lots of different skills. Mm. So I took that across to Australia. And of course, I got to reconnect with surfing and uh, that, that's that lifestyle. And then really worked with hundreds of companies, helping them sharpen their online presence and their digital strategies and working on very early forms of digital transformation. And then I got into the well-being space. I, I met this uh, amazing guy, his name's Ian Hutchinson, and he brought me in as part of his company. We created one of the world's first well-being platforms for corporations. Oh, wow. And it was it was an amazing journey. We got lots of companies signed up. This is in 2001. Before workplace well-being platforms were really a thing, and uh, and that gave me a really good grounding. It exposed me to lots of interesting ideas from positive psychology and, you know, things that I'd intuitively always sensed, but I didn't have much um, experience with. Mm. Yeah, yeah, and it's always interesting when you, and I think because that's the thing. There's there's a lot of positive psychology or yeah, general sort of self-help that yes. it's kind of really obvious and commonsensical. And you intuitively kind of feel it or, or think that that's going to be true, but then you're not quite sure. And then you realize that, yeah, actually, it's either been around since Aristotle, you know, or the Stoics or <laughs> exactly. some, someone thousands of years ago. Like, actually, yeah, we've already discovered that. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Or it gets researched and someone goes, oh, yeah, that's 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 why. So, yeah, it's really mm. it's a really interesting kind of field. Yeah, I kind of. Um, yeah, the whole sort of self-improvement, I probably really got into it um sort of 2014 when I had when I had my sort of early midlife crisis purpose meaning like what's going on yes. I hate my job um you know none of none of this all makes sense um yeah before that I, I kind of was probably a bit bit of a floater just kind of yeah was floating in the river not really yeah you know, uh, you know trying to be trying to be good you know but yeah still I think my brain was still in that sort of um prefrontal cortex lack of leadership it's self-leadership in terms of like yeah. getting stuff done um it definitely it feels like a different world if you're growing up as a 18 year old now like the the amount of positive content that you could get into but i guess equally the amount of toxic content that's out there and trying to wade between the two i don't know if you're into have you seen that guy the liver king have you yeah, very <laughs> much so yeah you know, that's what a story just, yeah i mean just a classic example of you know theoretically a really positive icon trying to help promote you know really really pushing yourself and then you find out it's all a lie for those of you who haven't heard of the liver king yeah just he, he was this guy who does all these like primal workouts and literally all he eats is raw liver and offal and offcuts of like the most seemingly yeah testicles <laughs> god knows what else um claiming that this is and he was absolutely jacked like lifting all these weights and then yeah it turns out basically he's just taking steroids yeah. um 
And he yeah. even said that he was natural on 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 podcast. That's the problem. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was yeah, like, yeah, no, yeah. I'm completely natural. It's just liver and yeah. sunshine in certain yeah. places. And yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and um, yeah, that I think that was the the problem is that he's marketing these nine ancestral tenants and they're yeah. really good advice. It's not yeah, yeah. far from resilience. Yeah. It's basic primal stuff. But then it turns out that he's on this incredible stack of steroids. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, it's tough out there, right? It's tough to know who do you believe? Um, who do you trust? Yeah. Who do you trust? Um, what and do I, guess I that's do? Where, yeah. Yeah. Where, where do you start and all the rest of it? Yeah. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I would love to hear how you develop an interest in, in purpose, discovering your purpose, because yeah, yeah. for so many people, they, they, they know what they don't like, but they don't mm. necessarily know what they want. Yeah. And so they 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 just sit in some sort of inertia and they don't activate any change in their life. So mm. yeah, maybe you could share a little bit about yeah, yeah. your your journey with purpose. I think in in some ways I was lucky um, in that I had, um, you know, I I call it the existential wet fish to the face moment is what people get. So for me, it was the earthquakes here in Christchurch. So oh, 2010, yes. 2011, and then 2012, um, my wife and I, I say my wife and I, clearly my wife did most of the heavy lifting and we had our daughter <clears throat> and the earthquakes were definitely like the big initial shakeup. Like mm. literally it's kind of like, what am I doing? You know, life is short. That was close. You know, we almost all died. Um, yeah. And shout out to New Zealand tourism. Like you really do a good job of keeping quiet. The fact that, you, you know, after the event they're like oh yeah no we've been called the shaky aisles for years yeah don't see that front and center of your tourism brochures <laughs> you know it's true. kind of like oh and don't don't worry about the mega volcano in the north island yeah no it's it's really quiet you'll be fine yeah they keep that you know it's all like oh don't go to aussie it's full of big animals that are going to eat your head <clears throat> come to new zealand it's really safe yeah whatever volcanoes um, yeah vol hashtag volcanoes <laughs> earthquakes tsunamis yeah uh, <laughs> So yeah, the tsunamis killed. It was like, was that there was a beer ad, wasn't there? Some like, oh, uh, are there are there sharks in the water? No, it's all right. The uh, the crocs ate them all. Are there any dangerous animals in New Zealand? That's okay. The tsunamis and mega yeah, killed still... killed all of them. <laughs> you'll be fine. Yeah, you'll be fine. Be great. Just get a camper van. Yeah, yeah that goes really quick. Yeah. <laughs> um, yes, having gone through that kind of moment, um, so I, I used to sell medical devices and it seemingly oh. it's quite a meaningful job you know your job is to go into the operating theater support surgeons um you know operating theater teams to get the best outcome from the product that you sell um for that patient but there was so much corruption and malfeasance going on in that industry um but when you're mm. in it and you're paid well and you get to go to international conferences and international ski resorts like sun valley idaho and davos you kind of go yeah i can possibly turn a blind eye to that um and also as a young male you know i was mid mid 20s you know through yeah. to early 30s mm. you're not as you said you're like <laughs> just you're not yeah. really able to critically think to that depth about what you're doing yeah. mm. and um yeah so for me it was that it was that earthquake shake up and then birth and it was really probably the birth of daisy our daughter that really cemented it and i think i feel it's quite common that you know <clears throat> quite often the mother gets very centered on the nest and it's like yeah. right we need a warmer house i need a bigger car that's safer and it's about real yep. close-up protection but for me it was like okay i get that and that's kind of easy 
But looking forward 20 years, what world is she going to inherit if we keep doing the really dumb stuff that we're currently doing, you know, environmentally, socially, spiritually, metaphysically? It just seems like, yeah. what are we doing? And so, yeah, that was the really big moment. <clears throat> and I literally you know, got to a point where I was standing in the operating theatre in Ascot Hospital in Green Lane, and the surgeon was being a typical, you know, alpha orthopedic surgeon, like things aren't working, therefore I'm going to throw all my stuff out of the cot and blame everyone else and, you know, kind of just basically bring, you know, <laughs> bring the energy down to a pretty low level. And I, I yeah. almost was to the point of going, look, you, multimillionaire, doing what you do, all these people barely on a living wage, like wind your neck in, shut yeah. up. You're the big boy. Just deal with it. And I and I thought, yeah, that's if that's going through my head right now, I'm not I'm not in the right job anymore. I cannot, I can't do this. So I literally walked home because we, we were living uh, that close hospital. I said, I'm done. I can't, you know, mm. all the stuff that I'd seen, all the corruption, um, and the best way to describe all the stuff that was going on is just go and watch The Bleeding Edge, which is a documentary on Netflix, <clears throat> which highlights like everything that goes on in the in that sort of yeah, medical device industry. So yeah, having gone through that, I was literally at an existential crossroads. It's like, I, I don't, why, why are we all doing this? Like, why yes. are we all pretending to go along with this bullshit um, just to pay, pay the mortgage? Um, there's a really cool, it's like an 80s B movie called They Live. I don't know if you've seen it. This guy, it. He, he discovers this pair of sunglasses that lets him see the world for what it really is. And it's run by these aliens, essentially, who are just making people buy shit they don't need. And it's like, it's, it's like a massive anti-consumerist movie. That he puts cool. the, he, he puts the sunglasses on and he sees like all the billboards. He's just got like, just got like obey, consume, buy, purchase. <clears throat> and yeah, so I, I kind of felt like I'd been given these sunglasses and I could see the world for what it really was. Meanwhile, everyone else is just going like, but just earn loads of money. It's fun. Like go and buy shit. Like just mm. chill out, man. So yeah, I kind of had that. And I think it's, I mean, it's really common. Um, it, some people call it a subconscious awakening, but yeah, any, any kind of existential shock. So near-death experience, death of a yep. close family member, significant health scare, birth of a child, yes, any and all of those will create. And, and so I, I literally feel that I'm lucky that I had that kind of like jolt because I think there's a lot of other people that I'm just kind of, like you say, I'm just kind of comfortable with the discomfort uh, not really sure. And I, and I think, yeah, and there's so so many, you know, at a high level, there's a guy, Ray Anderson, who was CEO of Interface. He, he had a health scare. I can't remember if it was a cancer scare or a heart attack. Heart attack. Mm -hmm. but he basically came back from, you know, recuperation and said, right, we are transforming this company. So they, they sell carpet tiles. And um, they used, it was all petrochemical based, like just destroying the planet with every tile that they sold. He's like, we can't do like we're done like i've had my epiphany like we're changing so yeah i think people like us who have that epiphany are luckier because yeah. you, you literally just have this line in the concrete not the sand it's like it's in the concrete this is not shifted i'm done yeah, yeah so that was kind of me and then really i was just kind of like well what what is it all about then like what why why have we been conditioned just to chase money and trinkets and and stuff um and is that the right thing and what is life all about and so i went on a four or five year journey of self-discovery to try and work out what is it all about and that's when i discovered this whole purpose thing and it's like oh right so it's about contribution it's about meaning it's about understanding the contribution it's about making stuff better not you know he who dies with the most toys wins which is kind of like the, the prevailing consumer capitalist 
mantra that has been foisted upon us so yeah, yeah fun times <laughs> it is it really is and i think it is so important to discover to have those moments and realize something's not right and it is not just something needs to change it is going to change yeah <laughs> and then activating and just whether you have to have a transition phase from the old to the new uh, often there is that time yep. of discovery. I had that. I, I ended up in India for and India and Nepal for a couple of years. That was interesting, and uh, it really helps you to to realize. Wow, my problems are pretty small mm. in comparison. Focus on what matters, and yep. if it's not just like dream it and it will transpire. It's more mm. like have that purpose and then put in place some stepping stones. Yeah. And how, how old were you when you had your sort of moment? Ah, it was about <laughs> around about 2008, I realized something needed to change. I was yeah. in Australia, things were going well, I had a good business, and but it, it wasn't right. I was helping people just create ways to boost consumerism, really. That's what it was all about. Yeah. And some of the companies I wasn't necessarily aligned with. Yep. And so you feel this level of distress when there's values misalignment. You're like, oh, yep. okay, I'm going to help you create something that I don't really believe it's in. Like, mm. yep. Yeah. And then I, I had this moment where I thought, I only, I, I would like to work with people that I like, that are aligned with me. Mm. And I would like to work on projects that have a positive impact in the world. And you're being connected to nature as a surfer, it really distressed me when I saw the amount of uh, rubbish in the ocean, for example, in places mm. like Bali, or you you get to Fiji and there's a beautiful island and there's just plastic on the shore. And I thought, like, how can I, and I still haven't resolved this. This is probably my next step is to really get involved in how do we reduce the amount of plastic that we produce yeah. and, and getting much more into environmental concerns. But resilience is a way of helping lift consciousness help people realize like you can control things and the more you focus on what you can control the the, the wider your circle of influence becomes because you're getting momentum and that's yep. what i like so helping people mm. make more conscious decisions and hopefully that's going to be one of the contributions i have yeah no totally <clears throat> and so, do you, do you, so how old were you 2008 would have been what so early 30s ish yeah early 30s yeah. and then I, I departed on that trip uh maybe around 2010 and and then at at the end of that trip that's when I met my partner to be and one thing led to another and next thing there was a little person on the <laughs> way <laughs> and uh and then that really did change how yeah. I operated you know it became yeah. it no longer it was about me it yeah. was about us and yep. how can you create this foundation and mm. stability and oh what a learning experience i mean <laughs> uh, yet yeah, still learning it turns it's, out, just, yeah. it's still in progress <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, not yeah, perfect yeah. yeah i don't think anyone and no one has won parenting yet it's like hey i've uh, won it i've done it it's all good yeah yeah yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah you know i had a couple of days of quiet time because of something <laughs> i did this week so <laughs> yeah it's um I was listening to a podcast recently because uh, it's interesting. I guess there's a lot of the younger generation who are kind of like, well, we don't want to have kids because why would we bring kids into this broken world? And, mm. you know, we, uh, I guess there are some good arguments around the concept of broader depopulation and, you know, we can't just keep exponentially growing, yeah. but by the same token, um, the, the consciousness lifting value of your locus of control now, a hundred percent, like, 
you know, it, it it's it's kind of like have, it feels like it's kind of being designed. It's like you're young and you're naive and it's all about you and that's great and you go party and life's amazing and yeah 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 and then you meet someone else and then all of a sudden it's like oh okay actually I need to stop and pause for a minute and think of how they mm. might want to do this or how to and having that tension and I guess the ideal partner is that person who brings you know almost like fills that shadow part of you to a degree where there's enough yes. tension but enough overlap that you're pushing and testing each other in a way where you both grow and yeah. then you're, you're throwing this child grenade of like oh my god like how does this <laughs> thing work and your locus of control pretty much is 100 percent out of you and you kind of think you know as as seemingly the species with the highest level of consciousness is that all part of the plan it's like you know this is yeah. part of the ladder of that consciousness raising because i think mm. you know in, ter in terms of that making the world a better place there's, there's a guy gus speth who's got that card if you know that comedy sort of talks you know i thought 10 years of good science would help us basically you know solve any environmental problem but basically i've realized it's a consciousness issue not not a science issue and i think that's my interest in what you're doing is we can get science and data but even then that's not you know it's corruptible it's it's not always perfect and, and i say that from having worked in the medical industry where there's a lot of data and studies that get done that you know, you. the yep. person who paid for the study paid to get the right answer. <laughs> so let's not just say that, but yeah, there's this spiritual so metaphysical much. balance yeah. that I think we've completely just written off as being useless and, you know, woo woo and all the rest of it. Um, mm. Yeah. And I think and that's. People are hungry for it as well uh, because you, you see people trying to find ways to mm. connect with themselves like the rise of meditation apps, people yep. realize that they need a little bit of space. They want to connect to something deeper. And just all of the teachers who have emerged in recent times, everyone from you know, Eckhart Tolle through yep. to even Russell Brandt to, to some extent, he's yep. becoming a spiritual leader, exploring, yeah, yeah. questioning the narrative. It's, yep. it's very interesting. Mm. Yeah, nice, super cool. So, mm. so resilience then, um, mm. It's quite a broad, we could probably talk for hours just on the topic of resilience. But yeah, mm. we, we were talking before when we first connected how there's a good link between um, like positive mindset and resilience. So the more optimistic you are, the more resilient you are, the more resilient you are, the more optimistic you are. But there's also this link to to purpose. Um, so yeah, you are the Resilience Institute. So what is resilience? Because I think there's, yeah. there's a little bit of fake news sometimes about resilience. Totally. Um, so yeah, what what is it? So from our perspective, resilience is the learned ability because we learn these skills. We're not born resilient. It takes 18 years, sometimes 42 years before we're fully resilient and ready for life. Yep. It's the learned ability to bounce, which is to recognize when I'm experiencing adversity and we have a whole model based on the downward spiral, but to recognize those signals. Is it in my mind? Is it in my emotions? Is it in my body? And can I bounce forward? And ideally, can I bounce forward fast? Because the research shows that 77% of the time, humans grow stronger as a result of having dealt with some adversity, post-traumatic growth. But the objective of resilience is to be able to recognize it and take rapid action, rapid bounce. So bounce, the second part is grow. What are things we can do, practices, rituals, routines that will increase our energy? so that we're ready for life's challenges and opportunities. And who would have thought that one day sleep would be considered a practice? But it really is, because the boundaries between day and night have dissolved. We can, be, we can have dawn light around us 24 hours a day if we want, through screens and LED yeah. bulbs and devices. So 
creating rhythms that enable us to match our rhythms with nature's rhythms, which ultimately gives us more energy, improves our focus. So it's movement, diet, and so forth, things that we can practice. And I've, re I've recently introduced a, a whole module on micro habits based on James Clear's work and a lot, yep. lot of other work that I've been immersed in because that closes the knowing doing gap. Like I can know all of this stuff, but doing it <laughs> is challenging. So bounce, grow. The third part is connect, which is about our relationships, collaboration, emotional intelligence. Empathy is a really big one. We find people get a lot of value from learning just the basics in terms of empathy, even viewing it as a portal that opens when you're feeling more calm and focused mm. and connected and positive. But as soon as you shift down into fight, flight, freeze mode, that empathy portal shuts and you you see things from one perspective only yep. and usually coupled with quite negative emotions. And then finally, the fourth part of the program is flow. How do you create your high performance zone? And this is where we've taken a lot of tools from high performance sports and made it really simple. So instead of people sometimes say, what is flow? Well, if you have ever had that big report and it's due on Friday morning and now it's Thursday night, and you activate all of the resources required to get that thing done. Okay, you're going to be tired tomorrow morning because you stayed up late. But wow, that was like, uh, I used to call them my power hours and go, mm. it's amazing how they sometimes happen. The reality is you can create the conditions for flow anytime. But from a resilience perspective, you need to remember that we have to balance performance with care. So if you perform, 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 eventually you will burn out or you will just find yourself unfocused or distracted or just fatigued. So create those rhythms, like time for high performance flow state and then relaxation micro break, and then time to maybe connect with others and then relaxation batch processing, similar tasks. So it's, it's, it's kind of a framework for how to be the best version of ourselves, but it's all based in, in the latest research, which makes it a reliable set of tools. Yep. Mm. Nice. So are there some people who i just feel like there are some people as adults who i know who are not very resilient like mm. anything hits them and it's just oh it's yeah. all over yeah. um where there are other people who it just seems like they can take a freight train in the face every day and yeah. it's just like is that all you've got mm. i'm coming again so so how how much can you learn resilience and are there different levels? Is, is there like a spectrum of resilience where some people like they are just going to tap out and that is all they've got or under the right conditions, can anyone become like superhero? Like I can literally take on anything. I think anyone can get themselves to a point of maybe not superhero resilience, but of pretty robust resilience. I mean, look, I talk about this stuff all day and I have moments mm. where I'm at the bottom of the spiral and I'm going, oh my gosh, how am I ever going to survive? This is so difficult. <laughs> but you've practiced enough times that you just bounce fast. Uh, and so you get back to where you need to be. Uh, there are some genetic factors that can influence resilience, but they're minor, less yep. than 5% of your resilience is genetic. Uh, growth mindset really helps. So you've obviously yep. heard of the fixed versus the growth mindset, Carol yep. Dweck's work. Uh, it's interesting to, to note that even just those thinking patterns can influence your resilience. You get someone who just says, oh, well, I'm just not talented. So I'm just, uh, there's nothing I can do. This, it's all just going to go wrong. This always happens. That's just a thinking trap. That's not reality. That's just 
patterns that you've practiced enough times that it becomes the voice in your head. You can break those at any point and go, well, what can I do right now? There's always something that you can do. Focus on what's within your, your, your control and, and just get started. Calm your nervous system. If you're in a state of fight, flight, or freeze, everything seems just overwhelming. And that's where you see people catastrophize and go, oh my God, this always happens to me. Everything's mm. wrong. It's okay. It's just your nervous system responding to what is it perceives as a threat in the environment. Is an inbox full of emails really a threat to your survival? Of course not. So what can you do? And, and the foundation of our training is really establish a state of calm. Because as mm. soon as your nervous system feels calm and you signal that, to your nervous system that I'm actually safe right now, there's no lion in the building, I can start to activate my prefrontal cortex again and be fully human once again and activate my emotional intelligence. So we practice tactical calm as a practice. I'll share it with listeners. It's very simple. And, and actually when we run workshops, it's one of the most fun experiences. You, you, as you know very well in a workshop, you'll always have a few extroverts. So you say, I need a volunteer. Yep. <laughs> and someone goes, yeah, I'll do it. And then you say, okay, we're going to put your heart rate on the big screen in front of all of your colleagues. And we'll ask your colleagues what stresses you. <laughs> and it's so much fun because people are like, oh, it's Mike <laughs> from accounts. Yeah, you know, yeah, this supplier, that person who doesn't pay their bills. <laughs> and their heart rate goes into this jagged pattern, which shows low coherence, uh, low heart rate variability. And then we use this tool, Tactical Calm. We do it together. I take their heart rate off the screen and it's in for four seconds, out for six seconds. And you just repeat this uh, mm. for a couple of minutes. And then we switch back and you just see their heart rate has changed. And they're now in the zone of what we call coherence. They're calm, they're focused, connected. And it's as simple as that. Just every time you start to feel yourself panic, just, just fact check. Sometimes you need it, right? there's a car racing towards you as you cross the road yeah use fight flight but or yep. flight uh, and <laughs> not freeze uh, yeah. yeah don't freeze well unless you're well, not that on the road yet. yeah exactly yep. and that's why a deer freezes in the headlights yep. because they evolved for most of history without bright lights flying yep. towards them so what is this thing yeah what is it so uh bring yourself to that state of calm. And that's the foundation for all resilience. And, and I think that's where a lot of people get value is like, oh yeah, I'm finding myself um, really hyper aroused, downregulate the nervous system yeah. or just practice calm. And, and so I think from that base, then you can start to explore some of the <clears throat> positive psychology reframing yeah. and, and yeah, so yeah. forth. Yeah, no, hundred um, percent. Which is interesting, you know, and again, it's like you look back at common sayings that are in the vernacular, you know, take a minute, count to 10. Yeah. Well, how many times have you heard that? How many times? Have, I mean, I remember at school or parents. Yeah. Just take a minute, count to 10. So, mm. well, that's a smart tactic that has clearly been passed down for quite a while because it's, yeah, like I say. Yeah. Um, one of my, uh, yeah, because like for me, I, I, I spent a bit of time in the reserve forces in the, in the British Army. And I think that for me, that was foundational in terms of building resilience, because it's like, you don't have an option. You're going to do something hard right now, but we're all good. All going to do it together. And, and the thing that you mainly kept in the back of your mind was it's a training exercise. They can't actually kill us. And so, kind of like, you know, <laughs> this is good. <laughs> this is gonna, you know, we've got a ceiling here that they hopefully can't push through. Yeah. And, you know, one of the phrases we always used to sort of joke about was we call it, you know, how hard can it be? It's like they can't kill us. So that's our that's our ceiling, um, and it's interesting, you know. As I've dug into more positive psychology, and particularly, uh, I'm 
big fan of the Stoics yeah. and the whole idea of like negative visualization. So it's like, I love it. What, what is the worst possible outcome? Mm. Well, the actual worst is they kill us. But the amount of forms that the Sergeant Major have to fill in, having killed one of us, is so big. I don't think we're going to go there. Right. Could I be injured? Well, yes, possibly. It's the army. Um, you know, we're doing physical things in mm. extreme environments, potentially bad weather, you know, trekking around the hills, whatever. Yeah, that's potential. But if I did, we know that there's a hospital. Yes, yeah, so you kind of, what is the actual worst case? And you kind of yeah. work from that and go, well, actually, it's not that bad, is it? If, it, exactly. you know, if something did go wrong so yeah I, I kind of feel like there was a lot of stuff and i guess th there's possibly some intentionality around stuff that they try and teach you in the army to build you to be a stronger human so that you can do hard things but yeah, yeah. that for me and one of my favorite things of um i guess from that time it was um it's a stat that i think the u.s navy seals have curated or, or collated is when you when you tell yourself you're done you're actually only at 40% of capacity, but it's yes. kind of like the safety valve of the brain going, no, 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 stop, stop, stop. This is getting, I'm not liking this. Yep. And dealing to that voice in your head, which, yes. you know, I think that's, that's the, for me is the key to resilience, but that's where the link is into kind of like purpose. And it's like, yeah. well, what is, who is the voice and who's actually running that voice and taking control of that. And that, that's how you kind of punch through to that, that higher level exactly yeah. that's really interesting is well from a couple of angles in that book i don't know if you've heard of the expectation effect by david robson no. uh, he's 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 interviewed on the resilience podcast it was voted one of the best books by the guardian for 2022 yeah. and he talks exactly about that and in fact some of those they they did a study on loads of different people and they found that if you think stress is good for you you perform way better than those who think that stress is bad for you. You give them the same tasks, mm. but it's just a framing. Yeah. And if you think this is going to be beneficial, people can do superhuman things. Mm. And, and they found that the Navy SEALs were one of those groups in particular, because they have so many filters before you get to become a SEAL. Yeah, yeah. It was really made up of people with incredible growth mindsets, not really physical capabilities to yeah. some degree, but just the, they're mentally they're ready for anything and they love the, they love the volatility. They love that, the VUCA. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah so, so I, I think there is so much more that we are capable of and, and having those experiences like you had, it's in, invaluable because mm. it just teaches you that well, what's the worst that can happen. And once you remove all of those negatives, you mm. get to the present moment. Yeah. You go, okay, well, I'm here now. Let's just yeah. do it. Let's go. And like you say, if you're using that, uh, the idea of like control what you can, well, obviously your approach, your mindset, the sense of optimism, it's going to be a good outcome, but also mm. you can, you can mitigate for, for some of the risks. There was a really interesting uh, thing I read, luckily when our, our daughter was quite small, um, you know, it's really common. You're in the park or the playground and you'll see a kid about to do something and the parent goes, stop, be careful. But apparently that there was a phrase that um, I think it was like a Norwegian or Scandinavian psychologist said, no, instead of saying, be careful, tell them to think about it and that for me was like oh that is so good because like be careful it's like oh there's a there's a safety boundary yeah. here that i want to explore but you're telling me as my responsible adult that i can't whereas it's like cool like, go and jump between the two logs but just think about it like if you did fall how would you land or think about where where are you going to put your foot and and that i just thought is such a genius way of reframing so giving good. something hard a go because if as soon as you say be careful you're kind of already in the oh you know fright flight 
freeze yeah. mindset where it's like just yeah. think about it think through what could happen mitigate for it consider it then give it a go yeah i love I that, that. and i think there is a generation of kids in between maybe our kids yep. and us or between the millennials and our kids who maybe did have too much helicopter parenting who were also the guinea pigs given this technology that they carry yeah, around yeah. and, and mm. i hope that our kids will have better habits and relationships with technology and so forth and be a little bit more a little bit less risk averse because there's a generation in between that mm. looks like they're struggling yep yeah and you certainly see that with the shocking statistics um, around mental health with young yeah. people and yeah the effects that um uh, you know social media that we've we've even had that with our daughter you know during lockdown kids messenger popped up it's mm. like this mechanism for kids to stay in contact and you just forget you know i guess back in the in our day you know you'd have the the rotary telephone that you'd have to book in a time and it's like mm. i will call you at six o'clock and then you'd normally speak to the parent oh hi mr smith you know i'd like to speak to brad please or whatever um and these kids were just messaging each other and ringing it like they'd be like 50 missed calls in 30 seconds and then the oh, kids are getting angry and and upset that they haven't answered it's like there's no expectation that someone will answer and yeah it's like the the lack of resilience in the moment of they haven't picked up the phone it's like oh my gosh like we haven't even got into tiktoks and no. <laughs> you know all the other stuff and trolling and, oh, and scary yeah, scary yeah yeah, we're Isn't those it? parents who are kind of like, no, you don't get a phone yet. You don't you don't need a phone. You're either with oh. us or you're in a place where there is a responsible adult who can call us if that, something's gone wrong. Exactly. You don't need to be on TikTok as a 10-year-old. It's like Oh no, yeah. it's the it's the worst. I'm so glad we didn't have that stuff because oh, it would have been 100%. imagine being at an all boys school with TikTok and <laughs> yeah, and, just, and all of that stuff. It would have just been terrible. Yeah, yeah, definitely not a fan. Yeah. yeah. But I think I mean, yeah, getting back to resilience a bit. Um yeah. I, th I think there's the link between resilience and, and purpose. So there's, there's a stat um, that I've seen out there. So on average, if you have a sense of purpose around, uh, you know, the thing that you're doing or, or trying to achieve at a, at a higher level, you have four times engagement and five times productivity on the task. Mm. So there is, and it's something that I always talk about in, in our sort of purpose workshops. Is I, I literally, I get people to do this. So right, everyone just start doing this. And some people actively resist doing it. And then after a, a few seconds, I go, right, who's getting bored of doing this? And people are like, yep. And I'm like, but what if we just worked out that us doing this is pumping oxygen into the neonatal unit of the local hospital? Who'd be willing to keep going? And people are like, yeah, I'd keep going. It's like, well, yeah. And we'd probably work out a way that one of us could take a rest while the other of us, did, like the rest of us did a little bit more so that we could actually keep this going for a very long time because there's a deep sense of meaning and contribution to the task. Whereas if I just said, who can do this the longest? who cares yeah yeah exactly um, there's a meaning yeah. it gives it gives the activity meaning yeah and and that's what i think i think it's jordan peterson who said we're, what we're actually dealing with at the moment is a crisis of meaning people don't yeah. know why what why what, yeah, what yeah. am i doing this for yeah. is, is there a purpose to to life and those types of workshops that you're doing will certainly help people on that path and businesses and that's what b corp mm. is all about is yep. rather than just extracting natural resources uh, how can we add and regenerate and build and uh, and create a better future for our kids yeah what a crazy idea it it, it might catch on <laughs> i think it is as a b corp pending at resilience institute we are 
really happy to be on that path. And mm. I think that it really made us look at what we do and how we operate and what our priorities are in a new light. Yeah. And, and that's part of the reason I reached out to you because we realized yeah, yeah. that our program can help B Corps because we do it for ourselves. Yeah. 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 hundred percent. So yeah. So how did um, Resilience Institute come across B Corp? Um, so our new CEO who's based in Switzerland, he brought B Corp to Europe actually. So oh, he, wow. mm, and his so one he, of, he, he kind of knew a guy. <laughs> yeah. He, he, he's, he knows a lot of those guys and he, yeah, he was the first, I believe it was the first B Corp in Europe for his, uh, he owns a resort in the Alps or he's a part owner of a resort right. in the Swiss Alps and he wanted it to be B Corp certified and yeah, it's quite amazing. So he, he did that. And so it was a priority as we shifted uh, into this new company headquartered in Switzerland, you know, the new version of ourselves yep. that it was B Corp certified. And it was quite a challenging process. I have to admit, because it really scrutinizes how you work, how you, how you play. Like we did it all ourselves. We didn't have yep. a, a miracle worker like you to help us, someone who really <laughs> knows the ropes. Yep. Uh, but by the end of it, we did end up with a B leader on our team, which is amazing. So right. one, one of our team internally, yeah, one of our yep. team, Pauline, she really loved the B Corp approach and the journey, and she uh, upskilled herself to become a B leader, which is wonderful. Yeah, nice. Yeah, I've been having this conversation recently with a with a few clients, potential clients, and and just wider audiences. B Corp, it's it's this bizarre thing that it, it's a certification framework that shouldn't be that sexy or exciting, but somehow it cap it's captured people. Whereas I'm yet to meet anyone who's gone, oh, ISO. I loved doing the ISO <laughs> certification. It was so much fun. And the uh, auditors were just so cool. Like never. You always hear, like, oh my God, like ISO was so awful. It was like, ah, oh, it's like sucked the life out of us. But B Corp just like, it captures people to the depth where it's yes. kind of like, actually, I want to learn more about this. And yeah, I, I kind of, well, I mean, I guess my theories are there's a, there's a general zeitgeist of like this, I mean, we, if we get sort of really deep for a second, you know, Carl Jung, you know, psychologist or early psychologist, um, psychotherapist, you know, he he talked about how um, archetypically um, and astronomically we're currently in the in the move from the age of um, uh, Pisces to Aquarius, mm -hmm. and archetypically the theory is. Um, and, and there's a whole lot of like, we, we can get, we'll go a little bit woo-woo here for a second. I Let's love do this. it. I, I love, love this it. stuff. Yeah. So the age of Pisces, we have been in for the last 2000 odd years. Okay. And the dominant religious belief system, Christianity, has what as their symbol? The fish. Hmm. Well, that's just interesting, isn't it? Um, and so the theory is that, yeah, this, we're in this raising of consciousness period from the age of Pisces to the age of Aquarius. And it's sort of beholden on us as the species to, to embrace this shift in consciousness. Yeah. And I kind of feel it's happening. And it's, they, it's, it's potentially like a 60 to 100 year window that we're going through where suddenly we have this collective kind of aha moment of, oh, right. So there is a little bit more to this thing. Yeah. And I, I kind of feel that this is, this is a part of that shift. And like mm -hmm. you say, people are looking for meaning and, the rise of yeah public 
people talking. Uh, there's another guy, John Viveki, um, who is also from the University of Toronto. He, if you've got the time and inclination, I did it during lockdown. He's got like a 59-part program called Awakening from the Meaning Crisis. And he, oh, it's really? like, yeah, each video is like 90 minutes. He talks slowly, though, so you can put it on double speed. Yeah. Done. Um, and he traces back, like, the meaning crisis all the way back to, like, pre-Greek, you know, philosophies and all the way through to you know the current addiction crises and opioids and like why are we seeking this stuff in the wrong place so yeah i I think there's a general zeitgeist uh, that's been captured that b corp is it's the right thing at the right time so do you think this is the this is this is potentially the real enlightenment rather than what whatever happened a few hundred years ago people are waking up to the fact that well yeah, I personally think that, and I think it was Alan Watts who said, you know, life doesn't come from nothing. Life comes from life. Hence, mm. treat this planet as a living organism, Gaia, yeah. whatever you want to call yeah. it. And and I think that's so important. And that's something mm. that's been neglected for such a long time. We plundered the natural resources and it was fine until we got technology that enabled us to do it at scale. Yeah, and, and now quick. and and it's hard to give up give it up. So now we have to shift to a new way of working. And there's great resistance. Like I think it's so important to have people like you on this path, helping others find their way, because there is great resistance to this change at the same time. Yeah, hundred. Well, and and there will be. There's if you're part of the established dominant way of, of we've been running the show, and it's working for me. Yeah. And I think we're seeing that tension, um, you know, with, with some of the bigger companies joining the B Corp community and people yeah. are kind of, well, how, how can they be a member? Like, you know, I'll say the N word, Nespresso mm. um, or Unilever. People are like, well, how can, but to me, it's, it's like, well, isn't it amazing that they want to be a part of yeah. being different and, and those companies at scale changing their mindset, even a couple of, you know, degrees can have a, a massive um, influence, uh, you mm. know, as a force for good. So yeah, I think we're going to be in this really messy transitionary period and, we, we don't yeah i think it's india yeah, looking back to the enlightenment i studied history at university and at, at school i thought you know we did the enlightenment and i guess we, we feel, it feels like we're in the artifact of that period it's like rationality you know the enlightenment even though it was called the enlightenment it was, it was mainly rationality it was materiality right. it yes. was numbers it was science but again you know what's interesting the more you look into it like people um uh, what's the guy's name? The famous physicist, Newton. Like he was actually a very religious guy. Um, Watson and Crick, the guys who discovered DNA, really Christian guys. And, and they were Didn't like, they? you know, yeah, yeah. They're like, you know, we have seen God, you know, in the, you know, in the human, like there's a, and even um, Darwin was a, you know, a, a yeah. pretty religious guy. So yeah. we, we've kind of thrown out the fact that there was an element of spirituality and, and religion yes. for some of these people that, have been held up as like science at all costs yeah. um and i guess it's it's aligned to what joseph campbell talks about in um, his work you know if you if you look at the buildings you know two thousand years ago the the spirit spirituality was the center of your town or village the church whether, yeah. whether you're into christianity or, or whatever but Whichever for the sake one. of the argument you know the the, the temple was the center of your uh, community whereas now what's in the center of all our cities big high-rise buildings owned by financial institutions and it's like what is the god that we worship the god of money and the god of materiality and it doesn't work for us and i think we're going to be in this really interesting period where it's like there's gonna be a lot of tension and Mm. it's gonna go one way than the other but i i feel ultimately it's within us to be more conscious than not 
Yeah. Well, when you travel, and that's one of the things that I'm really glad that I got to do, you realize most people are good. Most people yeah. want to care about nature. Most people will invite you in for dinner. Most people are friendly. It's just a few players on the stage who mm. maybe have gone astray. You know, yeah. I like to think that is anyone inherently evil? Don't know. It's a big question. Mm. What is evil? What is good? Yep. But most people at the end of the day probably want a world where they their offspring can thrive rather than survive. Yep, 100%. Mm. So, yeah. Was it Dostoevsky who said the line between good and evil runs right through the heart of every person? That's you know, Exactly. It's, it's all within us. And it's all there. Yeah. Just depends on the situation. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so um, navigating that how resilient course. you are. <laughs> and how resilient you are. Yeah. How, how, how much you can just grit your teeth and focus on that purpose. Don't grit. Don't grind. Yeah. <laughs> grit, <laughs> not grind. Like yeah, exactly. Uh, especially at night. That's never yeah, a good yeah. thing. Uh, yeah. But, you know, stay the course. I think that's that's the important thing is just to realize that no matter what life throws at you, you can always uh, you can always navigate it. You don't have to crumple. And I've seen this with young guys who have just come out of prison and they're doing the surf therapy program. Mm. You know, some of the most inspirational quotes and moments that I've ever heard come from these young guys who had mm. nothing, the most troubled mm. childhoods. And they turn it around and they turn it into the story of like, they change their own narrative to say, if I ever get knocked down, I'll get back up again. Yeah. Uh, there's always something I can do. I can always ride another wave. It's fine. And they take that and you see them end up doing amazing things like working mm. in music or working get as electricians and all kinds of stuff. So yep. I think finding that, as you said, finding. So any tips for finding your purpose? Well, just before we go there, mm. this, this, is, this is an interesting that you've just raised is that, you know, some of the most successful people, whether it's materially successful, um, uh, like what's the soccer player, um, the guy who just got kicked out of Man United, um, can't remember his name but some of the some of the most successful sports people in particular yeah. come from really really tough troubled yeah. like awful backgrounds now there's an interesting argument to be made as a parent well for my child to be successful yes. should i create an artificially terrible exp life experience because yeah. I, I look at you know my wife and i look at our daughter's life she could not be more bourgeois if she tried, you know, skiing in the winter, dance lessons, guitar lessons. You know, we tried, we tried tennis, didn't like tennis in the summer. So we'll try a different sport. It's like, oh my God, you're like a Wagyu beef cow that's just fed, it's, watered and massaged. It is so crazy. My daughter said to us, oh, daddy, can we, can, I, I'm not such a big fan of uh, Fiji. Could we go to Cook <laughs> Islands? I was like, okay, this needs to change. This, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I had never even seen a plane until I was 18. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's like, what's a beach? Explain to me what this beach thing you talk about is. So, I mean, th yeah. there's an argument to go, actually, maybe we should get both our kids and just drop them in the middle of the wilderness with a, with a, yes. like a, a GPS tracker pointing back to home and go, right, we'll see you in a week. Yes. Um, so yeah. so how, do we, how do we balance that in the modern world? I think that's such a good question. I think it's not always swooping in to support them, but creating the space for them to to grow. Yeah, I have a tendency when my daughter's sad, like she rushes off to her room, mm. and I want to go in and and comfort her. But it's actually better to let her get bored. Let her spend a little mm. bit of time there, get bored, and come back out whenever she's she's ready. Yeah, I think 
allowing them to grow from adversity because it is within adversity that we grow and then mm. putting them into uncomfortable situations because if you can make discomfort a good mm. thing that's how you set yourself up for a life of growth uh, and we we try and make life comfortable for them because it feels good for us to know mm. that they're safe and looked after but as you said maybe dropping them off <laughs> in the forest for a week <laughs> is extreme but you could drop take them and my daughter hates our long forest walks she's like mm. oh i'll do anything except for forest walking <laughs> we're going <laughs> and yeah, by halfway through it she's jumping around and laughing yeah, yeah. it would have been very easy just to not do that because it's a drama mm. yeah. yeah yeah it's definitely yeah it's interesting eh? yeah it's mm. interesting um i had a comment then or thought but it's escaped we'll come back um Oh, yeah, sorry. So getting back onto the purpose thing. So mm. tips for purpose was that. How your... do you find it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, that's a great. It's the, it's the, well, ironically, it's not the million dollar question because I think not that many, like I said, I think some people are kind of like comfortable not exploring it, not looking for it, but yeah. realizing deeply down subconsciously that they do need it. Um, so like, you know, discomfort. I, I love the uh, etymology of words like, you know, disease, dis-ease. Yeah. If you are dis eased if you're not at ease you will be diseased and i think you know yeah i guess top tips would be i think the first thing and and this was big for me was like true self-awareness self-awareness so you know on the temple at delphi uh to the oracle there it had inscribed on the front know thyself and it's like actually who are you that's it um and there's a really cool phrase which is really hard to get your head around but it's it's along the lines of i am not who i think i am i am not who you think i am i am who i think you think i am and it's like we 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 put up the you know there's so many mm -hmm. so much cool stuff here. so persona is um comes from greek which means mask the mask so that we wear. in the play you would put on different personas different masks mm -hmm. and so understanding your true persona like am i what masks am i wearing or am i really me and the only way you'll know that is to go and challenge that and test it and i think again this is the link to resilience and i think again this is something that military stuff at heart is like breaking you down until you are just a crying wreck it's like actually who am i at my core and how far can i go again i think looking back on it that was a really interesting because it's kind of there's sort of three parts to the purpose journey there's like who am i today and and actually who am i and I'll put a link in it. One of the really cool tools you can use is called Proust Questionnaire. So back in the Enlightenment or late 1800s, early 1800s, a bit later, um, instead of having, you know, TikTok and Facebook and uh, whatever, um, what people would do is they'd, they'd write a questionnaire and then go to one of the tea or coffee houses and you'd share your questionnaire with your friends. You'd go away and you'd come out the next week with your answers. And Proust Questionnaire is used by... Um, fiction writers to create a character because i think it's 35 or 36 questions around like you know what would this person's motto be or you know what would your motto be um who right. um which female do you most admire which male do you most admire what virtues do you admire what do you most dislike in a person um literally how would you like to die um what would be your motto and so um fiction writers use it to get into the psyche of a character to okay. create that person so who am i um, it's the big one. And for that, I would say Proust questionnaire. And if you haven't done some personality profile testing, do that. that helps. And yeah. Just put yourself roughly in a bucket. And then the key for me, having having done Proust questionnaire, is actually, is that really me? Or have I answered this as to who I think I should be? 
yeah. based on my schooling, my parents, my society, like actually, and I call that the authenticity gap. And I think this is typically for guys where that midlife crisis comes from, because you have you, you, your prefrontal cortex has been on board for a few years, you hit emotional maturity, and it's that classic song, you know, you wake up one day in a beautiful house with a beautiful wife, and you ask yourself, how did I get here? And you have that crashing moment where it all collapses, because you're like, I, I don't know who I am. So the next key then was to go and work out, well, where did I come from? And how far away am I from the truest version of me that I could? And I guess like the, the, the definition of purpose that I work with is purpose is uh, defined as the reason for which something was made or created and something's use or usefulness. And so if you go back to the day you were made or created, like the, the, the chance that you should have been born as Brad Hook with everything that you are, your physiology, your temperament, your genetic, like it is so infinitesimally small that you should have been born as you yeah. bearing in mind that you are at the end of an unbroken chain of genetic reprodu reproduction that goes back however many beginning. years. Yeah. To, to, to stardust. Um, so why are you here? You know, you were born with a unique set of skills, talents, whatever. Um, and you know, you, you kind of get corrupt. Well, most people get corrupted on that journey to who they are today. So you need to try and work out, well, how far have I strayed from that original person? And that's the hard part of purpose because, you know, you've got to go into the long, dark night of the soul and work out why am I who I am and do I like who I am? And what are the parts of me that I'm ignoring? You know, which is what Jung would call the shadow. Like, is there, are there masculine and feminine traits of mine that I, I hold down because dad was always angry and I don't want to be too masculine because I don't want to be like dad or, you know, uh, my mum wasn't there for me. So I ignore the feminine, like all of that stuff, Yeah, which is, that's the hard stuff of purpose because you don't want to go there, but that is the archetypical journey, you know, um, uh, the story of Parsifal and, and uh, you know, uh, the Knights of the Round Table, you know, you must enter the forest where it appears darkest to you. What a great, I mean, oh, I get tingly so just thinking about that, mm. like, but that's the hard part. So if you can go and do that and then the next part, and I love this I, again, Carl Jung, who could you be? You know, that's why I've got the, the poster behind me. Imagine who you could be and then aim single-mindedly at it. Yes. And so this is like the, the, the triumvirate part of purpose. So Carl Jung had a quote, um, you know, curiosity is the best potential version of you calling yourself towards it. I love it That's so much. Like, how cool is that? Yeah. So it's like, who am I today? Am I who I should be? And how far and what do I need to adjust? And again, this is where you get the symbology of the Phoenix and, you know, all, all major religious belief systems have this idea of a death and a rebirth. Yes. And you get to do that on a 12 hour cycle, you know, every or 24 hour cycle, every morning you get to wake up and be, who can I be today? And then using that curiosity using that lens of what i what am i being compelled to think and and feel and believe and check and you know look into put that all together you got purpose and i say that like it's you know get it done in half an hour but it's you know it's hard and that's why yeah. most people don't go and do it because you've got to go that's and confront right. a lot of stuff that you don't want to go confront and what do you think about uh fast tracks to discovering your purpose and shattering the illusion of who you were such as going and drinking ayahuasca in the jungle somewhere or is it whatever whatever works for you look i i haven't done any of that but that is on my it's kind of on my list i think it's mm -hmm. really interesting that you see you know at auckland university on the back of work done it um the, the lead researcher at auckland university has was spun out of ucl university in london and they have been micro dosing yeah. psilocybin yeah. and, and mushrooms um it, i i feel like i'm spiritually and metaphysically ready 
to, to, to try something like that now i think if I, I think that's the risk i think if you're trying to the the small amount of research i've done i think if you are trying to do it as the as the genuine shortcut i don't think you're going to get out of Agree. it i think Agree. you need to be i think you need to do some hard and realistically i think this in many ways is the the underlying meaning of life is to work out why are you why are you here and then to to do that and it's not meant to be so easy but I th- oh, that was that was the thing i was going to mention i think it's really interesting you know when we talk about resilience with the kids and stuff in most you know tribal setups you get to a certain age and the boys go and do something really hard that's right. physical and yeah. typically it's like you're going into the bush for yep. a couple of weeks and if you don't come back you just weren't meant to be a guy in this tribe um, exactly i i think that is a massive thing that we miss in our modern yes. safe disconnected worlds and again a, a big part of that was you're going in to spend multiple nights in the wilderness with all sorts of beasties that you can hear that you're not sleeping very well and you're having that conversation in your head about who am i and can i do this and where do you get that in a world that's full of tiktok and notifications yeah. and tv and light pollution yeah we should all have to do that i think these and, yeah. and there should be multiple initiations over the course of our lives and having a child is one for yeah, sure yeah. Uh, but beyond that you know putting ourselves into deliberate adversity like the stoics that mm. negative visualization some of them would actually just be homeless for a few days yeah, so yeah. That they could experience it. i know that if worse comes to worse i mean i and you know I, I kind of do that in my head it's like you know what like it, with this massive recession that might be coming next year it's like i've got a 10 we've got a 10 yeah like we go camping we pay to go camping we know we can do it like if it really turned to to shit we can camp we could do it like it's not really great it's not on the plan it's not what we should be doing as a bourgeois middle-class couple with a daughter that needs to go skiing and go to the right (laughs) pacific island but you know worst comes to worst we can we can make that happen do do you know what we'd probably be quite happy well this is the thing i always notice like when we do go camping you know in the summer you kind of go away with one pair of nice shorts and a t-shirt and one sort of sports type kit and you wear the same clothes for the whole week mm-hmm. and you're pretty happy about it and then you get yeah. home and you go gosh we do have quite a lot of crap in the wardrobe here don't we yeah that exactly I haven't actually worn so i That's agree it. i think um yeah maybe uh, getting back to getting back to nature is something tangible that anyone could take away whether it's by yourself or with your family or with friends that gives you some space just to process what's been going on mm-hmm. in your life Hundred percent, and that's a, that's another key step towards that sort of purpose discovery. Is like just pause for a minute, just pause from the busyness, and just take that time for kind of self awareness, which then leads to the, the the other thing I talk about is um, head, heart, hand alignment. You know, are you thinking? Are you doing? Are you feeling? Is it all in alignment, or is that is that that's typically where the disease manifests? It's kind of like, yeah. and this is probably what you were experiencing, you know, towards the end of that time before you transitioned into your own business, is like, or, or, or those clients is kind of like. I just don't feel that working for this company is what I want to do, but your head's telling you, yeah, but you've got to pay some bills next month. And it's like, mm, yeah, but I really don't want to get the money from them. And it's, I think a lot of people are possibly subconsciously having that feeling at work yeah. and some of them consciously, but I don't know how to not do what I'm doing. Cause I've kind of set my stall out that this is me. I am a lawyer. I am doing yeah, this. I am a CEO. I have, yeah, I have that. And I've built my life around that. And if I pull the rug out from underneath that, I don't know what's going to happen. Exactly. You know, something that pops into my mind is what gives you flow? 
what are those activities that help you vanish? You lose track of time. Yep. You lose track of being a whatever. You're just in the zone, in the moment. And, and that's a nice gateway to purpose as well, because you I can consent. stop associating yourself with, oh, yeah, mm -hmm. I'm a CEO of a company who, and this is what I do too. I love mountain climbing. I love it. And, yeah. and that gives my life meaning as well. 100%. And, and maybe there's ways to build bridges between what you do all day and that activity that you love. Mm. I think, yeah, I, I kind of always look at flow in, in two ways. You've got like restorative flow. So yeah. for me, going skiing, it's like, I, yes. and I um, caught up, uh, there's a company uh, based in uh, Oakuni up north called C6 Skis. And they've got Dwayne, who's one of their team, and he he sort of runs the demo days and takes you for a few loops. And talking to him just on, on, the, on the chairlifts with a, with a mate of mine, Michael Philpot, and he was sort of saying, look, for you, for you guys self-employed, like this must be a big... This is why you do this, isn't it? It's like, yes. Like the only thing you can think about is the next turn. Yeah, that's real flow. And that is real flow. But it's, I uh, yeah, I call that like restorative flow where I'm not thinking about work. I mean, yeah, ideas will pop up. You're in the big mountains, expansive views. Mm. You know, you're working out like it's good. But this is the thing in terms of work-based flow. And again, this is like another t uh, clue for, for purpose is when you are in a state of flow, you are literally having a transcendental moment because you, the space time continuum is like, like all around you. Mm. So if you can use work-based flow states for contribution that's some to something that's bigger than you, like there you go. That, that's the easy part. That's in many ways, that's the easy way to start connecting to purpose. And, and Gandhi has a good quote around that. Like the best way to find yourself is to lose yourself in the service of others. So if you can get yeah. into a state of flow where you can, and, and sometimes it's even a case of just connecting to that in what I'm in what you're currently doing, which might not be the thing that you really, really want to do, but at least understand the contribution that you're making to another human. And if yes. are you utilizing your core? And again, so much of this. So genius, like if I say, if I say, think of a genius, there is typically a male character that comes to mind when I say the word genius, who would that be? Albert Einstein. Every time without fail, <laughs> not prompted, <laughs> didn't pay him to say Einstein. But the word genius, again, the root of the word genius comes from Latin, which means spirit. And so if someone is a genius, it, it, what it fundamentally means is they are fully incorporating their true spirit. You know, this is who you were born to be. You're utilizing your genius. And then it's interesting that, you know, genie, genius, the whole Aladdin, if I you know, rub the uh, the gold, and again, gold, incorruptible, mm -hmm. the sun, you know, the thing that we, so if you can, you know, get from um, the, uh, the the lamp, the unconstrained potential of your genius into the world, well, then you become a better person. There's a, so much symbology around this stuff. There really um, is. So yeah, that, that tr you being the truest version of you, which is, and like I said, that's the hard part to unbundle. And, and I guess the, there's that Monty Python sketch. I love that one uh, of uh, Monty Python, the Holy Grail with the prince in the tower. Do you remember that one where he, he's, they come to save, they think they're saving a, a princess from the tower, but it's the prince. And he's like, but I don't want to be king. I just want to <laughs> sing and dance and perform. <laughs> That's right. Like, you know, like, I do remember that one. That is a lot of people. It's like, I've, I've been groomed to be the king, but I don't want to, I don't want to do this. Yeah. But, you know, so it might be to begin with, at least just understand the good that you're doing with and yes. utilize the best skills that you've got which will add to your resilience you, you know you're gonna i'm more in, i'm more engaged and doing more of what i love doing 
and then start mm. thinking about, okay, well, actually, is it the company that I don't like? Is it the product that I don't like? How could I transition? Or go and find some volunteering opportunities. Go and find the charity yep. that is solving the thing that you really care about. And, and hey, look, I can help you with your IT. I can help you with your HR. I can help you with your legal, whatever it is. You know, I can come and do some business development for you. I've got five hours a month to start with. Yeah. If you, it will give you so much meaning whilst doing something good. It's amazing how being of service, uh, it transforms everything. It transforms yeah. how you view a situation. 100%. Uh, in, when I look back, that's been some of the most rewarding moments is doing things purely to to help others, free resilience training yeah. for groups. And, yeah, and yeah. you come away with such a buzz. Yeah. Well, this is, this is the ironic thing. Like when you are on purpose, it is the it is the most selfish act because it's fulfilling for you, but you're also doing the, you know, when you get to maximum purpose, you are contributing to the fullest, to your family, your community, your society, the planet, and it's good for you. So it's like, which is why to me, it's, it, it, it is innate to us to do that because it is, I used to call it the self, the self-sourcing chocolate cake of goodness. It's like this chocolate souffle and the sauce just, just keeps coming out and sourcing it. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing and it tastes great. And there's, there's enough for everyone. Um, yes. You know, it's, yeah, I think it's, it's what we're designed for. That's an abundant resource. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. There's a guy, um, Greg, is it Greg Hart? I think his name is. I have to fact check that. He's a farmer down in um, Napier and he, him and I were both speaking at a conference together. And um, he had a great phrase that he took in his talk. He said, look, humans shouldn't be minimizing their impact on the planet. We need to be maximizing our positive impact. And I'm like, Ooh, nailed it. Mm. You know, that's yes. the thing. Like, let's not think about how to not be here as a species. Let's think about how to be here you know, we've got so much potential. I, I, I refer back to, was it, I think the 2019, wrote some uh, some scientists in Japan landed a robot on an asteroid in outer space. Like, we can do that. I think we can possibly do quite a few other things. Exactly. When you think <laughs> of all the brilliant minds who are dedicated to building bombs, imagine yeah, if yeah. we just, if yeah. they all refocused on that plastic island in the Pacific Ocean. Exactly that. Or they're currently trying to build some AI bot to win the stock market or whatever. It's like, yeah, Scary. you know, <laughs> complete, completely meaningless that hopefully they, you know, I, I think. Um, yes. Yeah, I just think I think we're getting to this tipping point where more and more people uh, are just like, we need to do things differently. Um, mm. And I think it's it's yeah, I think we're, we're in the curve of it. And, and I don't think we can actually see how quickly things are moving right now. But I get yeah. a sense. It's going to start happening pretty quickly. I think it is. I think one thing that we need is just alternative ways of connect. We've got social media, and that's one way, mm. but without mainstream news, which is very much influenced uh, by advertisers. So it's hard yeah. to get really truthful information. And so many people just believe everything that they read yeah. in the news as if it's yeah. gospel. 100%. I'm just trying to find, yeah. I've got a quote here on my phone. Um David Graeber, who's recently, not that long ago, passed away, but he's, he's written a few books. One of his good ones was Bullshit Jobs, which I think that summarizes uh, a yes. lot of the modern world. You know, there's like the flunky, yeah. um, whatever, like there's these five types of jobs that he refers to that are just completely meaningless. Like you're just propping up another meaningless job. But one of his, uh, a quote of his, the ultimate hidden truth of the world is that it is something we make and could just as easily make differently. It's like, you've nailed it. 
And this is again, this is where yeah, I think exactly. I'm hopeful because we're having this raising of the level of consciousness. It's like, what's why? Why have we done it this way for the last two hundred years? And I think again, a lot of the systems, you know, like, like modern media, well, it's only really been around since what probably you know the 1800s. Really, was when like you know you're the establishment of the major newspapers, um, probably mid to sure. late 1800s. You yeah. know, so it's actually only a couple of hundred years old. It's not like it's been with us since 10,000 BC. Whereas exactly i think there's there there is increasingly you know new archaeological finds like there's a place gobleki tepe in northern it's turkey incredible, you know? right? yeah it's like yeah. that's just blown the historic timeline of <laughs> humans capability yeah. by ten thousand years you know exactly and, <laughs> you know and the stuff they say clearly they were worshiping and and doing stuff there and it's so we've been doing this for quite a while and we've kind of in the last 50 to 100 years we've gone no actually we, we don't need any of that I agree. I think we need to rediscover it in 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 one way or other. And maybe it's each one of us discovering it for ourselves, and then uh, aligning with some kind of purpose, recognizing that it's always there's always going to be this balance and contrast between people mm. going one way and people going yep. another way. But that's just that's just what it is to be human, I guess. Mm. This crazy ride on this spinning disc in the middle, isn't of it? Infinite universes. Just talking monkeys <laughs> on a spinning yeah. disc. <laughs> talking, talking monkeys in meat suits on a spinning disc. <laughs> what could go wrong? <laughs> yeah. I mean, sometimes I mean I, I say this frequently. It's like it's a, sometimes it's amazing that we've actually lasted this long, with, with yeah. how stupid we can be, and the fact yeah. that we are semi-advanced monkeys with meat suits spinning on a disc in the middle of infinite universes like there's plenty of you know <laughs> and i guess perhaps more so with that was it that nuclear clock that they've got you know is it how, oh yeah how close the we are doomsday to nuclear, clock. doomsday clock yeah like it's half like, a second <laughs> it's like jesus yeah you know. those, those must be an optimistic bunch you created <laughs> that thing yeah it's like yeah. just to remind you that we're all gonna die yeah <laughs> and we don't have a plan yeah there's no plan b yeah and and uh, the main I think, well, that's, I mean, that's another interesting topic, I guess, is like global leadership and, you know, purpose and resilience of, of leaders. Um, it just kind of feels like out of the, what are we now, 8 billion people? It, it kind of feels like surely there's, if you look at the, like the G20, like surely there's 20 people of a slightly higher level of consciousness and general awareness and resilience and purpose that we could possibly get mm -hmm. into those roles. Yeah, I don't know. Well, they, it's it's unfortunate <laughs> that they're elected by popularity contests <laughs> yeah. Yeah. and whoever kisses the most babies or has the nicest hair ends up yeah. being the prime minister except for boris who managed to get in with the wildest how hair. did he do yeah. that <laughs> maybe that was his unique selling point like we've got to give yeah. this a try no, no one else has got hair like this people yeah <laughs> or maybe trump when he gets off a plane <laughs> trump and boris yeah they both have very similar bad blonde haircuts uh, yeah, who funny, knows? Yeah, funny. Who knows? But as you say, I, the, what I'm seeing out there is that there are people who are rising up. I mean, you see people like Tulsi Gabbard in, yeah, yep. in, in the US, yep. like a different type of leader with yep. very different intentions. Mm. And that's what we need. Hopefully, yep. Was it like to... uh, Billy Connolly, the comedian, said, Any, anyone who puts themselves up for election should automatically be discounted? <laughs> it's totally. kind of like, yeah, if you want this that bad. And again, yeah. I think I think you, you look back to a lot of, um, you know, indigenous tribes, again, with that... Um, uh, you know, sort of trial, uh, you know, to entry into manhood or womanhood, you know, some kind of sense of ritual and, and tough, tough uh, trial, uh, trials. There's, there's a part to that as well, where it's quite common in some tribes that you're, you're given a birth name and then you go through like, like the, the tribe watches you as you're developing. And quite often you, you, as you go through that rite of passage, you might be given a new name 
because they've recognized that actually you've you've developed instinctively yes. on this other path and you know it's not uncommon that you know you would be caught right you are going to be the person who becomes our historian and, and is going to learn and like you have been chosen by the tribe and again yeah. like you know it's not always necessarily that um lineage that you know well because i'm chief you know my my son gets to be chief like quite often it's like well actually no like you've we recognize that you're going to be the leader um yeah. rather than what well, i want to be in in charge of the tribe because i think i'm amazing i guess no. there's just there's so much that we just um it's that, um yeah and it's, it's of service yeah, often yeah. those leaders are just committed to serving the tribe it's not yeah. a it's not a prestige thing no it's not like yeah now i get all the the women or whatever although in some cultures you probably yep. would but a lot of the time it was actually who's going to protect us who's going to yep. help us rather than who's going to dominate yeah 100 and i think there's research from um there's oh, i can't remember the guy's name there's a guy who does a lot of research into like chimpanzees and stuff and it, it's not the most dominant who who wins out it's actually the one who can negotiate the best and look after the yes. majority of the tribe that is the most successful yes. but again we seem to have lost that it feels like it's all about dominance and you know i'm i am the silverback and it's like mm, you're not so mm. sure you are mate um yeah and we don't actually like that and you're not really thinking about the best interests of everyone yeah mm. yeah it's interesting i think that's robert sapolsky isn't it could be yeah i can't remember yeah, he's a, he, he does some amazing <coughs> research he showed how within one generation the culture within a baboon tribe troop mm. can change so all of the wow. males went and picked through some litter mm. and all of the males died they got poisoned and so all that was left were these female baboons yeah. and and their offspring and f within one generation the whole culture shifted from being this male dominated culture within that mm. particular troop to being uh, a fair and free culture where everyone collaborated like within one generation wow. it shows how quickly that can happen Mm. interesting crazy stuff man crazy stuff good well we've been going for quite a while um, thank you good Tim. man um yeah um what's next where where does um what's what's called sort of next resilience institutes so you've got a bit of a rebrand going on you're saying you've got a new yeah. website you're about to be a b corp um yeah, yeah. What, what does resilience look like in 23 and beyond so expanding into the into north america we already have a lot of clients there but really trying to spread the love connect with more people help organizations and i think that it's really just expanding our sphere of influence you know actually yeah. getting out there and and growing but growing in a sustainable way because what we do is is helping others and our goal which we identified is that if we can create resilient people they'll create more resilient organizations and ultimately we can work towards a more resilient planet a more resilient future for all of us where nice. and i love what you said instead of minimizing our impact maximizing our positive impact like mm. that nature positivity because we realized as a collective at resilience institute we all we all love planet earth this home and we want to mm. do something towards protecting it and maybe if we can help elevate consciousness we'll get there so so that's pretty much what's next i uh, i'm now responsible for marketing as well as a few other things serving clients and it's a it's a very rewarding journey yeah nice what very about cool. you yeah no i mean same kind of mantra really you know we we well my my theory has you know i, I kind of came around to the same idea it's like 
the individual create better individuals of higher purpose who will then demand organizations of higher purpose which will then demand society and a planet of higher purpose so i think and it's like everything it all starts with the individual isn't it you know we are and it's that tension between the individual and the group and yeah um mm. so yeah i mean we're, we're we're pretty focused on getting more companies uh b corp next year that, that's kind of where we're starting i guess we it's kind of like the chocolate covered carrot you know like yeah b corp's cool it's hip it's fun like it's be really good for your company and then ooh, let's now start dropping in some little breadcrumbs of purpose and uh yeah, yeah see how you go yeah, yeah. Oh, that's amazing. Well, I, I will definitely be referring people to come and talk to you about becoming a B Corp. Nice. I think it's and, an important yeah, part of the journey. Yeah. Well, and also we should mention, uh, particularly for the people in our group. Um, so we're we're looking at scheming on doing a little event together in the new year um, yes. with a little bit of, we thought, well, like I said, I've got a positive mindset kind of uh, um half day event that i run so we could either look at positive mindset and resilience or we could even do a half day session on purpose and resilience so um people all our clients in the uh, be better 100 group um that will be mainly aimed for you um first dibs but maybe we'll we could well we'll have a chat maybe see if we just offer it to anyone and everyone who, who wants to have a chat about doing that but yeah we, we we thought um after our conversation that could be a, a useful thing just to have a little taster of some resilience training, a little taster mm. of some positive mindset or uh, purpose work for the beginning of the year, get you set up for uh, 2023. So yeah, watch this space. We'll, we need to have a chat about that and then get some stuff going. We'll do it. I look forward cool. to it. Hey man, it's been really cool. Um, yeah. I just, I love your vibe. Love what you're up to. Um, Likewise. You know, let's, um, let's keep, keep doing some cool stuff. And 100%. Enjoy the awesome. holidays. I hope yeah, you get man. to go camping. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Cheers, mate. Take care. Bye. Hey, it's Tim here, that B Corp bloke from Grow Good. If you want more content on purpose, B Corp, how to do more good in the world as an individual or a business, then you know the drill. Hit the like and subscribe. Check out some of my other videos. They're probably floating around here somewhere. You know how it works. Thank you so much. See you next time.